Okay, stewardship lesson four. Examples of good and bad stewardship. This is a pretty easy lesson. It was uh, enjoyable to go back uh, and look over the homework uh, that this lesson has and uh, think about these characters and revisit these accounts and and with with a, a stewardship mindset and to think about were they good? Were they bad? Where was stewardship involved in those activities that we read about too? I think that's another dimension we can look at. We, it's easy to say good or bad, but then you try to recognize where all is stewardship involved in that. And it surfaces multiple places. So, um, and as I was talking about before class, um, it's our whole lives are a constant effort in stewardship because God has provided everything for us. So however we interact with that, we start, what's the first thing God gave us? Well, God gave us the Word of God, right? Is there stewardship associated with that? Well, certainly there is. He gave His Son, Jesus Christ. Is there stewardship associated with that? What's our responsibility? in that gift that's been given to us. So you can you can just apply that to everything. You can start with family, friends, church, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, our neighbor across the street. We're, and we've been reading about some of these things. So it's just everywhere. So stewardship, it's, it's a choice, isn't it? It's, a, it's, it's, a, faint, uh, it's a, a frame of mind in how we're going to deal with the blessings. And it's, it's one frame of mind is, is what we do is God has made us for His glory, Isaiah 43, 7 says. So whatever we do with the things He gives us are, is to glorify Him. So it's, it just make that one decision one time. No matter what I'm doing, I ask myself, how can I glorify God in what I'm doing? And we will be good stewards then when we pursue that. So anyway, what I'm... <coughs> There's some really simple aims with this. Um, I didn't decide to wrestle with the computer tonight. I didn't think it was that going to be that beneficial. Means how we're going to be looking at these characters um, that the assignment gave us. It does give us a an introduction here and also some lesson aims, which are really real simple, real fundamental lesson aims. Identify the aspects of stewardship. That's some of what we've already been talking about. And, uh, of, and, and that of various Bible characters that uh, are portrayed. And then evaluate whether each character was a good or bad example of stewardship. That's, that's pretty simple, pretty basic. And it's kind of a yes-no, isn't it? We see, we see that if you've had a chance to look over the list and, and read the scriptures and be reminded. We know all these stories, don't we? We've studied them for years and uh, have referred to uh, them many times in previous lessons and looking for that same uh, same uh, same response is is this is this a good example for me is this something i want to use to teach my children or is this a bad example and I, I use it to teach them in that way so uh, stewardship is is replete uh, in our lives and in the scriptures um, <clears throat> The uh, first page of these notes in the lesson, it asked a whole lot of questions that I, I think are kind of um, 
irrelevant in one aspect. You know, we could talk about Warren Buffett. I don't know what good it would do us spiritually to talk about Warren Buffett, uh, Colin Powell, and all these people, and it would eat up some class time. <clears throat> it, it, there's even some people on here, I'm not sure who they are. Uh, Peyton Manning, we might, we might, oh, Peyton Manning, you know, we, we talk about him. He, he does a lot of good things, but there's so many things about Peyton Manning I don't know. I don't know how good a steward he is. I know he helped build a hospital and stuff, and that's a, that's a thumbs up. Um, I don't know what he does with the rest of his money. He, he was quite a career football player, that's for sure. But I think it's best for us to just go right into God's Word and start looking at the characters so we can... Um, uh, look at these accounts. So let's let's do that. the uh, The first one on the list is Genesis thirty nine one through twenty three, and uh, Joseph. Joseph. He's everybody knows about Joseph, don't we? We use him all the time uh, as a reference and one one of the first super characters in the Bible that we teach our children about the character of this man, which is just uh, wonderful. You know, he's just a wonderful example. I don't think we find anything negative about Joseph in the scriptures at all. You know, we might see a little bit of, I got your back or something, but we have to read that into the scriptures. I think he's a I think Joseph's nature is a a, a, a a good steward of God's gifts. And as rough as his life was, uh, God just kept taking care of him, and he recognized it and responded in, in the most wonderful way. So, what caused Potiphar to entrust everything to Joseph. Does anybody remember? There's kind of a, a key verse that speaks to that. I don't know that I even have it written down. Does, does anybody remember in the story what, what is said that caused Potiphar to look at Joseph and said, aha. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. That's part. The Lord was with him, and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Amen. Right. He was he was successful, wasn't he? Whatever he touched, did well. I think Potiphar's a pretty smart man. He he saw talent. He may not have understand understood the God of Joseph, but he understood what the result of of him being in control of something or the result in his life. And therefore, he, uh, he entrusted him to virtually everything uh, that he had. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the Bible tells a story that he was an overseer, okay? So we would call him a steward, look, looking after all of Potiphar's... Uh, wealth, whatever it was. Uh, they had servants. Uh, he had a wife in the house. And uh, so, who, who would like to uh, expound on on Joseph there? Would you agree that Joseph is a good steward? Would you agree? Come on, Wednesday night, wake up. I haven't got enough erasers to throw it all at you. <laughs> 
I think so. I think I think so. <coughs> the uh, I found it interesting. I found it interesting how what Joseph said to Mrs. Potiphar after she had failed in her approaches to him. And and he said, I'm in control of everything in this house but her, but you, because you are his wife. Do you remember that statement that he made? He says, but, think about, think about this. He had actually been entrusted, let me ask you this, had he been entrusted with her? In, a, in at least one sense, I mean, everything that she needed he would have provided, just like he would have provided for the master of the house. I mean, yeah. he provided for the household. Um, Absolutely. Did, so. in, in, in every aspect of her, her well-being, I would think, was under Joseph's oversight until she challenged him with a temptation who, you know, Joseph, you know, comes out in the shining, the shining young man that he is, uh, <clears throat> and he feared, uh, he feared and obeyed God, and we always make note of the fact that that's what he said, how can I do this great sin against, he doesn't say Potiphar, does he? he but he recognizes and respects Potiphar, but he speaks of God in this account. And I think that is because that is his motivation, is serving God. He was a young man of God. Um, <clears throat> seeing what else I had down here. If you have any, have any things uh, along that line that you'd like to talk about, speak, Sarah. So I, I think he was a good steward not only in how he managed things um, I mean the Lord blessed him and he, maybe he could have done a terrible job managing and God still would have blessed him but that's beside the point but he also knew he remembered that he was the steward and not the master which is shown very clearly whenever dealing with um, Potiphar's wife he didn't forget himself and take authority that he didn't have um, over her or, or whatever. So he was both faithful in what he was doing and also remembered where he was supposed to be in the hierarchy of things, that it was not all his stuff. The owner was still Potiphar. Uh, and, and Amen. He, Amen, yeah. And it's more than that. That's where he started, right? Even though things didn't work out wonderfully there because, you know, Potiphar... He believed his wife and threw, uh, threw Joseph in jail. And boy, there no more contact with God anymore. You know, he's in jail. Obviously not. God beat him there. Obviously, God was taking care of Joseph in all these things. Maybe, maybe these, this is just life happening for Joseph. We don't have to have a big reason for something. We can, we can say, oh, God, was that's a trial. You know, well... It was a trial to live through it. It may not have been one that God laid on him, but uh, life itself brings trials to us. We don't always get to assign those to God's hand, uh, but how we respond to them is a trial, isn't it? No matter who starts 
the uh, or, or what starts the, uh, the the trial or the situation that tests us. So we have the uh, thing with the jailer. So somebody tell me quickly what happened with the jailer and Joseph. Really abbreviated story. Nobody knows. Well, he gave him a little of everything in there too. Yeah. Don't says it. Don't think it says it exactly. Um, but he ended up. He was. He he was like doing the jailer's job, right? Seemed as if. I always told my children uh, when they were growing up. I said, if you want to be successful in the workplace, the first thing you do is figure out who your supervisor is, and then you make his or her job easier, and you will always be in good standing with that individual. <clears throat> it would seem that that Joseph had had that same uh, mindset, Where, wherever he was placed, even subserviently, he, he knew who to serve. Ultimately, who was he serving? He was serving God because God told him to. You know, God, God had already taught Joseph to be a servant to other people, and he was he was good at it, and and it it paid great dividends to him. Although that's not why he did it. So we have Potiphar. We have the uh, issue with the jailer. And of course, we don't have to go through every little thing, but you know, we <clears throat> we know that the the two the two men that got in trouble and got through in there with him, and he interpreted their dreams, and all those stories went along. And this is God interacting and caring for him in his time, working a great work to set him alongside Pharaoh. He went through kind of some dark places, didn't he? To end up to be number two man in Egypt. Um, it's a beautiful story. This beautiful story, powerful story. So Pharaoh, he was he was a, a steward over Potiphar's house. He was a steward over the jail uh, for the jailer. He was a steward for Pharaoh. He was a steward of Egypt. I mean, the whole nation. He, but he was a he was in a position of rule. But at the same time, rulers are servants, aren't they? Absolutely, that's what they're supposed to be, and absolutely, J- uh, Joseph was. Then who else did he steward? We got Pharaoh, we got Egypt. There's more to the story that he would that he would serve. I was going to say I, one that we haven't mentioned is that he was a good steward of the dreams and interpreting the dreams, at least most of the time. There's a little impolitic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. earlier in his life, but he got better. Yeah, God gave him, gave him the ability to do that, and he, he ministered with it, didn't he? He was hoping it would pay off, too. I think it was at the baker. I always forget which one. So then, in fact, I mean, he was also a good steward of his brothers, too. Absolutely. His brothers... They weren't, they weren't to him, but he was... No matter how they had treated him in the past, and they were fearful of him, weren't they? Uh, they didn't expect him to treat them with love and care because I don't think they had done that themselves. So what's in our heart we see in others. Uh, so we see them, them very anim- with much, not animosity but caution. Scared. They were afraid of him because of his ability and, uh, and his position. So wow, he's, he's not down on the hole waiting for Ishmaelites anymore, is he? 
you know, the next time they see him, he'll be standing next to the throne of Pharaoh in the probably the biggest, most powerful nation in the world. <coughs> um, what else did we have here? He, he ended up even being a steward to his own father, caring for his own father, who would eventually come with 70 or 75 people, right? All those people came under his stewardship, too. Well, did he take care of them? He certainly did. He put them in the land of Goshen, took wonderful care Where of them, fed them. care of when they're a great multitude when they leave? So. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly. Even though they, their end wasn't as joyous as their beginning, but... Uh, Absolutely, that they grew into a great people there. Uh, Joseph, he's, you know, we could put him down as a super steward. You know, he's just right on every time in the story, in the account. Uh, we see, see God's, <coughs> God's will working on Joseph's heart, right? At the very end of his life, he reiterates those promises that were given to Abraham. Very good. And has his bones carried out with them. Absolutely, that's great. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't go that far in my thinking. So good. <coughs> very good. I like that. In one sense, he's a steward of God's promise. Yeah, very good. Absolutely. So it's went a long way for a little shepherd boy with a coat of many colors and, you know, ends up in a hole and then all this happens in his life. We just don't know. We just follow the Lord and, and receive his blessings with joy and do what he tells us to do. That's what Joseph did. That's what Joseph did. Okay, time for a downer. We'll talk about Saul. Saul. <clears throat> My notes have an unhappy face on here, so... Saul was a poor steward. Think about some things that Saul, that was entrusted to him. Some resources that were entrusted to him. You just think about the account. What, what would they be? I'm not going to write them on the board. We'll talk about them. Was the, the army of Israel. Right. Exactly. But, you know, if, if you just think about Saul in general, you know, he's picked his, he was hiding, you know, when he was selected to be king. Uh, he was a nobody and, and felt that way, you know, because he was timid and withdrawn. <clears throat> but here he is uh, promoted to king of the, the army of the Lord, if you will. Of course, this particular account, as <clears throat> Tony said, about the Amalekites, uh, what, was the, what was the problem with that? I mean, we're familiar with this story, but I'll tell you what, it's everyday, it's everyday living with us and, and uh, see if we can get to the crux of the matter what was Saul's problem he was a bad steward yeah why why was he a bad steward he's a poor example of a steward what would what, how would you how would you define that what's our what argument would you make at least at one point in, in this he was a steward of God's judgment and God's judgment was all of them Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Which, if we if we scaled that down to in our you know to our own houses, we would say our child did what? 
Yeah. Disobedience. Disobedience. <coughs> That's exactly right. But he killed all the men, women, and babies. He did all that. Killed them all. What did he do wrong? You remember? Well, that's right. He brought him back. There was probably some other people there, but the Bible doesn't talk about it until you hear it. Yeah, they, well. He kept the best of the stuff. The, the best of the stuff and most importantly that gave it all away was what? And what was his excuse? Sacrifice. Yeah, oxen. He says, why do I hear the lowing of oxen? You, you, I did the will of the Lord. I killed them all. I wiped that out. There's nothing left. You know, I think it was supposed to be like Jericho. Nothing left. Eradication seems to me to be what was... The place had a ban on it by God. The ban's on it. Nothing comes out. It's all, it's all over with and gone. Well, interestingly, they brought the cattle and the sheep and why they say they brought it? To offer them as a sacrifice to God. Okay. Yeah. Well, that sounds really good, doesn't it? If you're arguing with yourself. But to the one who said, do away with them, not, not so receptive to that. I, I always wondered, were the people saying, look, look, at all these, look at all these animals. We can keep ours. Let's kill these. Right? See, see the, the selfish ambition that would be in that? If we're offering oxen and sheep that cost us nothing, I'm doing better financially all of a sudden. You know, you know if I can put Tony's money in the collection plate, you know, it doesn't sting as much, right? I'm not saying that was motivation, but it's possibility. I, how can you disobey God and then take that very thing and offer it to God to glorify Him? I think that's the argument in this story. What are your thoughts? And Bob, go ahead. I was wondering if he was just thinking fast on, on that response. Uh, uh, oh, we got to give it to you. Well, it's possible. It's possible. Because, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, got caught. Got caught. You know, can you hear the, the oxen in the back? You know. I've done the will of the Lord. He's singing the song, you know. Samuel says, what's this in my ears? What, what is it? The animals were under the band just like the people. It was, I call it Jericho syndrome. And it wasn't like Jericho because they brought back what they wanted selfishly and, and brought it back to home. Even without selfish ambition, it goes back to what Malachi wrote about of... God wants obedience, not sacrifice. Not sacrifice, yeah. Very good. And that's what Samuel says, isn't it? Go ahead, Sarah. And, and I've got to wonder, some of these these animals, they were the best of the animals that the Amalekites had, but did that mean that they were, you know, perfect and appropriate even to be sacrificed? Uh, you know, it, it, part of me goes, okay, so is this, this sheep going to be the right age and size for this type of sacrifice or we, I mean part of me goes so they're not even the right animal to sacrifice so the right, right type or the perhaps I mean, obviously they didn't care 
because they brought them back. They saw some benefit to them. And if you're not thinking enough about God to obey Him, why are you working so hard to worship Him? Those things don't usually go together. If you haven't got a mindset of obedience, worship's down below that someplace. And I, I think that we have to see that too. The mindset of Saul leading the people, his stewardship was of the people and what they did. Paul could have said, "No, kill them." It's it's to be it's to, they're to be wiped out, and they would have been wiped out. Of course, all the whole monkey was hanging on his back. The people were swept up in it, so his stewardship of the people also failed there, didn't it? Because he caused them to bring reproach on themselves. He blamed them for the infraction. But, but he's the steward. He's the steward. And he, he bore the blunt of it because we know what happened after that, don't we? God rent, rent this, the, uh, the nation from his hand, the kingdom. So what else would you say about Saul? What would you add? Anything else you see about him? He's an interesting character. Uh, I think we can relate to him. Saul seemed to be pulled back and forth. Seems like he was down more than he was up. But it, it seems like he had moments of godly sanity. You know, like when he was talking to David and he said, you're, you're more righteous than me. That's right after David had not speared him. You know, he just said, hey look, I got your spear in your water jug. You know, I believe that was the account word. Spared and speared. Later. Spared and speared. I meant speared. Okay. Okay, these are really familiar stories to us, and we just kind of reiterate them and, and, and think about them as we work through them. Okay. We have the account of David and Bathsheba. And this character we're looking at is Nathan. David had committed adultery, orchestrated the murder of a loyal servant while he was endeavoring to deceitfully conceal all that he had done. It's kind of like he went over the waterfall. You know, it's kind of like, boy, if I just hadn't went up on the house, you know, where'd he end up? I mean, he, he plummeted to the depths of sin, to darkness. You know, we read about that in the Psalms. How how far away from God he got, how far away he felt and was. <clears throat> so God's uh, message through Nathan uh, that we're all so familiar with, you are you are the man. He tells a story about the ewe lamb and uh, what a neat story that is, which enrages all of us. Even when every time I read it, I think you you ought to you ought to get it, you know. And certainly. Uh, certainly that was the intent was to get David to see how guilty he was so how is that stewardship how, how would you describe it he's considered a good steward here Bob? He was a steward of the message he was a steward of the message he was sent by God to deliver that message and he was effective at it he fulfilled 
what God expected of him. Which also made him a steward of David, actually, too. Absolutely. Because he was managing, taking care of David. Yeah. <laughs> the subordinate has stewardship of the superior there. Isn't that unusual? Well, I think that carries forth into today. Is older? Um, yeah, coming back to, to to his speaking, his speech, um, Nathan could have barged in there and, and said, David, how could you? You know, but he he went about in a way where it really struck David. And it reminds me of Jesus, of how Jesus approached people. Um, Amen. Where it would Not really true. get to their heart. Nathan, yeah. What is effective then? Nathan would have been justified in telling the truth to David, but it may not have turned his heart. You know, uh, sometimes you need compassion, uh, maybe maybe some stealth. Be wise as stewards and gentle as doves, and mix all those things together. Justin, he also could have been intimidated by David and used that as an excuse to water down what God had told him to tell to David. Very good. Could have been. I mean, it would have been a hard thing to do, wouldn't it? For Nathan to go to the king and call him a murderer. Because <laughs> basically what he did, he, he called him an, an adulterer and a murderer, show, or showed him that he was one. He said, you are the man. And David, with his good heart, saw himself suddenly. Obviously, for the length of time that that took place, David grew blind to his sin and learned to live in it. And we can do that today too we can get trapped in sin and it can pull our hearts so far away from god sarah and along those same lines back before like you know david said to nathan at one point i want to build a house for god nathan Mm -hmm. said do it and then the word of the lord came to nathan and said don't do it do it this way and nathan you know and so from that nathan knew that David was interested in what God wanted and in praising and glorifying God. But at, by this time, Nathan has seen what has been going on, and he would probably be even less certain about his reception if he goes in and says, Thou art the man, um, to this guy who had, you know, murdered and done all these other things. Yep. The yep. first David man after God's own heart, he'll see it. And But this other one, who's been like this for, you know, a year-ish, um, maybe not so much. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was, that, even good messages and bad messages, he was faithful in that. Amen, amen. Yeah, I just, <clears throat> uh, verse 1 of Second Samuel 12, said, it says, God sent Nathan to David, and he came. You know, that was the first act of obedience. What, whatever God says, Nathan does. That's the kind of man he is. And it, it wasn't necessarily easy because this man held your life in his hands. This is the king. You know, king off with your head or uh, come and receive my blessings. So, very good. Nathan, good steward, great steward, good example. Um, anybody else? Something else on Nathan? Anything overlooked? We're very familiar with these things, but it's good to be reminded of them. And so many variations of stewardship. And that's what this started striking me, is just everything we think, do, or say 
um, involves stewardship. It's 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 on. The switch is on all the time. It may be a different responsibility here than here, and and uh, I've got accountability for this, 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 all facets of my life. But God's shown us how to do that, and He's instructed us and and given us the tools we need to do that and the wisdom we need to please Him in all that. <coughs> how about Rehoboam? In First uh, Kings twelve one through fifteen, I wanted to read these, but I thought if we read them, uh, we probably wouldn't get through with all of them. So, I trust you've read them, and we're reminded these were, like I said, stories that are pretty familiar to us. <clears throat> Think about the position that Rehoboam was in. Um, And how he did. What what could Rehoboam have done, maybe to look at his stewardship from another angle? If Rehoboam had been committed to God uh, as much as maybe Joseph was, how would it have looked after that? He's been given the biggest kingdom that Israel has seen. Absolutely. And he's given, he's been given a time of peace, a great peace. Yeah. And how, if he, if he would have at that time, you know, just been like, God is amazing. Let's share it with everyone. Like he could have sent it to the ends of the earth as they knew it back then. Yeah. If if he'd just done what God wanted him to do, but he didn't. He didn't. What was his downfall? Let's just reiterate it. Is and it's is what he did got anything to do with us today what do we know he did listen to the wrong counselors he listened to the wrong counselors he listened to the wrong counselors which goes back to his heart which is he wanted to the power and the authority uh, he didn't he didn't look at the kingdom like he was a steward of it with God it being God's kingdom that he had loaned to Rehoboam to take it and and double double the talents, if you will, make like, it better. Uh, Katrina was saying that this was a, had been good under his father mm-hmm. <laughs> because of what his father had done. Uh, well, up to a point. Up to a point. Yeah. Yeah, he had a few problems. Yeah. He had a few problems. Well, it seems it seems like that's the thing. If it seems like he looks at it as he's a steward of his father's kingdom, not God's his kingdom. Lord's kingdom. Yeah. Dad, put the thumb screws on you. I'm gonna. I'm just going to cut your thumbs off, you know. That'll that I'll take it. I'll take it to the next level. Of course, that didn't set well. Didn't set well at all. <clears throat> the uh, God had entrusted it all to him, and you know, God's fairness and equity would have been expected to be reflected in God's steward. God is fair. Uh, God is equitable. God is loving and provisional and all those things. And, you know, coming out the gate, Rehoboam just, he falls flat on his face. Doesn't do well at all. And one of that is just in a simple choice that he makes. Um, I think Rehoboam, in his youth, was proud and foolish to some degree. 
And that, that is an indication of what kind of counsel you seek and then how you receive the counsel. Of course, we know that he talked to the older wise, wise uh, the elders, right? And they, they said, lighten it up. Lighten it up. They were recognizing that Solomon was probably over the top with how he was treating the people and taxing them and, and putting those burdens on them. But Rehoboam went to his peer group. I don't know who all everybody's ages were, but that's how the story strikes me, that they were some people that were more his age, younger men, <clears throat> who counseled him contrary to that, more like the father was doing except up to a step or two. You know, let's make it tougher. Uh, I, I think here's maybe where we fail and we can see ourselves uh, in this in this story. Do we seek input from others? Question mark. We should. God tells us to. And then when we do, do we truly desire counsel that will be wise and pleasing to God? Or do we seek the input of those who we think will agree with us? That's kind of a, a snag right there. Uh, that is familiar to all of us. We've seen that happen. Uh, been involved in it ourselves at one time or another in life, more than likely. And it, it is not, it is not a, a heart that would, it, that would be like fair and equitable like God's that would seek that out. And do we want God's wisdom? Or do we just, I just want to do that anyway. I want to be tougher than Dad. So they're going to talk about me even more than they do Dad, my father. And elevate, elevate the burdens that were placed on the people. We have to be really soul-searching about where we seek counsel and why we seek counsel and make sure we're seeking for the wrong reason because the counsel will not work well for us if it's for the wrong reason. Matter of fact, it may walk us down the wrong path. And I think, I think that's what we see here. It was obvious Rehoboam was not looking for the wise man's input. Surely he would have expected it what was what was offered so we just we need to uh, try to take something home with us there be willing to seek counsel but be willing to accept counsel and and apply it to our lives and and do it with a uh, a righteous heart seeking God's uh, it's noisy up here when it rains on that t- tin roof isn't it Okay, let's see. Let me read my notes here real quick. Yeah. So could we say, could we say that Rehoboam was the catalyst that divided, you know, divided the kingdom? It certainly looks that way, doesn't it? One man, aren't you proud of yourself? You know, did it your way. 
it was it was another step in the wrong direction, wasn't it? Certainly was. There's the the unity is divided already here. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Maybe to your point, um, a broader application is that bad counsel, because Solomon had been being counseled by his wives for years and building temples and spending and spending and spending to yeah. create all that. Uh, even to the point where he set gods up, set their gods up to worship. You know, yeah, that's that's getting pretty far away uh, from from the Lord God, most certainly. Okay, Mary, we'll move on. Where does that time go? I think that clock's running on double time, double extra batteries in it or something. <coughs> John twelve eight or one through eight. Mary and the 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 uh, spikenard oil and Jesus and broke the bottle and poured it on him and Judas jumped up and said, "Terrible waste, you unholy people, you know, wicked people, just wasting that." <coughs> what was the what was the argument there? How was that? How how did that work out? Anybody remember how that worked out? What was said? What did Jesus say about it? Leave her alone. <laughs> Leave her alone. She did this to prepare my body for burial, and everybody's going to talk about it from now on out. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about it today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it was the highest and best use of that expensive product in the moment. And she did it. And of course, we know what Judas's motivation was. He wanted to have the money in the bag so he could snitch some. Uh, but Jesus showed that that uh, exorbitant gift was appropriate, and it was a it was a large sacrifice for her, you know, because it was worth a lot of lot of money. She had apparently exhibited stewardship before that to even be able to have it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it makes you wonder how she could have afforded it, but it's a year's wages, basically. Yeah. Must smelled really good. Be better than Chanel Number no. Five. You tell how old I am by saying Chanel Number no. Five, right? Ella, Ella Taylor, sneakering. Mary and Martha. Uh, what's the steward? What's the stewardship there in that story? Martha's working in the kitchen. You know, she's busy, busy, busy. Mary's over there sitting at Jesus' feet. Jesus is teaching. Martha comes and complains. You're going to let her sit there all the time. She needs to get over and help me wash these dishes or whatever the case may be in so many, in so many words. That's what the argument was. And Jesus said, oh, you're so distracted by so many things. So many things. Zola. Um, I think Mary stewarded her time. And I can really relate Absolutely. to Mary and Martha because, you know, I have this syndrome, <laughs> the Mary Martha syndrome, because I feel like I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do. And I then I forget that no, I gotta make that time. I want to sit at yeah. Jesus' feet. Amen. It's we wanna do both, right? Yeah. But Jesus wants us to redeem that time that my heart is telling me that, you know, 
the bread may not rise or, or, or it may not get baked and the dishes may not get washed but Jesus is only here for a little bit and then he's gone and if you don't redeem that time what, where's the, what's the opportunity? It's gone. And do we have to do that every day of our lives? In everything we do? Isn't that, doesn't that battle go on inside of us all the time? Do I do this? Do I do that? I want to do this really bad but I need to see to this. What we need to do is learn to put a value on it and see the value that is related to God and Jesus and the Word and the message. And it's it's about eternal things. Everything else is not eternal. So we can we can easily just say, okay, I'm gonna let that set, I'm gonna take care of this. And Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says concerned in the new yeah. because she's, her mind is filled up with a lot of things that it doesn't need to be and that exhibits itself in the way we behave and the way we snap at other people like she's snapping yeah. about her sister's choice yeah. because she herself one of the is worried has all these things running around in her head that she doesn't need to herself yeah yeah, it's, it, Jesus seems to speak to that when he says, "Oh Martha, you are you are concerned about so many things." You know, it was more than just the dishes or, or or cooking dinner or whatever the case may be that she was distracted and uh, possessed by those things. And we can so easily get ourselves into that and do the same thing because we just don't have time to read the Bible and we don't have time to pray. And everybody in here says, I need to do both of those better. Of, of all you, I am chief. So, same problem. And it's because it's, it's that idea of recognizing what's important, what God has given us and is giving us, and how, how do we care for it? How, when he looks at his heart, is he pleased with how I'm treating it? I think I'll go cook supper and let this go. In, in kind of a weird way, both Mary and Martha were trying to be stewards of Jesus. It's just that Martha was trying to take care of his physical needs, and, and Mary was making like the different choice. I mean, so like, yeah. one is a good steward and one is a bad steward of Jesus, sort of. Right. Kind of. Well, we didn't, thank you. We didn't get through all of them, but uh, there's, there was uh, two or three more there. Saul, Nathan... Uh, is in there uh, that you can look at and I know you've looked at it and thought about so <clears throat> I, I particularly liked the account to consider of, of Gehazi so anyway John will be picking up Sunday but I think for only one lesson I think he's back out of town and I'm back in here so uh, see you Sunday and he will send out some homework so thanks for your participation.